trivia, discussions, opinions, and the chance to have your say. Welcome to the Topical Resort. Indeed, indeed, welcome to the Topical Resort. I, as always, am your host, Viper, and for the next two hours or so, we're going to be playing you some great Bayonetta music, as well as some great Bayonetta talk. I may have just spoiled the show a bit, but let's head on into the intro. So on today's show, we're getting finally truly topical. So we're going to be covering a new release, or rather... Uh, sorry. I was so confused by my notes for a second there, but let's try that again. We're going to be covering a new release, or rather, a new release of two old games. In fact, we've even covered this series before on this show. This will be a first for myself, due to the original episode being hosted by Dr. Scottnick, and of course, we all know this series by now. It's the Bayonetta series. On top of the first two games, we'll also be covering a few extras, such as the Bayonetta OVA titled Bloody Fate, and the Japan-only Bayonetta Apache Slot. So let's get into it, but first, let's begin with the main theme of the first game. This is Mysterious Destiny, right here, on the Topical Resort.
And with that, officially, welcome to the Topical Resort for another week. As always, I'm your host, Green Viperate, and, you know, get yourself strapped in, get yourself comfy, because we got you some absolute Bayonetta tunes, as well as some great Bayonetta talk. Uh, if you're wondering about Bayonetta tunes, what this one currently is, this is the Sergei remix of Mysterious Destiny, which was created for the YouTube series Who Dat? And it is an absolutely great remix, which is why I had to use it as a bed right now. So, yeah... I think pretty much we it's 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 a bit a bit lonely a bit a bit dire in the chat room right now. We currently got Jamie and we had Lost Impact a while ago. But thank you so much to everyone who's currently tuning in or lurking or on the server or whatever. But um yeah, Jamie himself says uh, he really can't wait to get a switch. It's going to be great to play Bayonetta on it and Bayonetta 2 for the first time. I definitely agree. Um I have a bit of a confession to make. Uh, I, I love doing these launch shows like when a game releases, like I did with Puyo Puyo Tetris. There's just a slight issue though. Both times I've ended up getting the games early, I actually received the Switch version of Bayonetta 2 and Bayonetta 1 on Wednesday, so I've been sort of working my way through them since Wednesday. And um, yeah, so I'm not really in the same boat because it's not like, oh I just got the game tonight, it's so hype, but um, yeah I got it on Wednesday, so uh, a bit of a sellout, you know, a bit bit of a cop-out, but um, shout-outs to Simply Games, as always, because they're great for delivering stuff early. Got Sonic Forces four days early thanks to them, and not regretting it at all, because it was fun to play that early when no one else had it. But yes, um, well, it's not strictly Bayonetta-related, I thought I'd bring this up just at the very first, because um, last week I read out a very nice email that I got from a listener of the show, and um, I'm not actually currently logged into my Top of Resort account, so I'm going to have to log into that to remind myself of who they were. Apologies. Come on, Gmail. Yes, a uh, email from Lowry saying how much they love Top of Resort, and also a question about the podcast, which, by the way, now fixed. We did finally fix the uh, RSS feed, so now if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, you can listen to every episode once again, including the original Bayonetta episode, which actually was the only one to not be on the feed, minus the first episode, which is lost. Sadly. But yes, uh, everything is now once again back onto iTunes, back on Stitcher, so if you listen through those two, you are now good. You can officially get back and get back into it. And uh, also, yeah, so what I was actually trying to say was, um, in all pla- in in FF Shrine of all places, someone actually recognised me and gave us a compliment. So, I posted a soundtrack on FF Shrine, I'm not going to say what it is because I'm naughty naughty, but yes, someone on FF Shrine named and the Nerf Header sub- uh, replied to a thread I'm subscribed to. Okay. So it says, um, what is it? He's thanked me very much for uploading the album and says, If you're that Green Viper, I love your show. Helps me pass the time at work no end. So I replied I replied to that and then he says, um, Epic, I was literally listening to your show literally this morning. So thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Thank you for listening. I think I think you're a podcast listener. I, I believe you said, but still... You know, we appreciate all listeners on the Topical Resort, as I said, and podcast listeners are definitely cool because you don't have to listen in live to appreciate the show. Hopefully, you still get the same experience by listening back pre-recorded on another day. Yes, thank you so much, good sir. Thank you so much to Hand Nerf Header. And now let's get back to our Discord room. And uh, J- Jamie's left as well. It's, it's a bit shocking. Please, everyone, come back to me. I think this is a good time to get into some music before we get into the hasty history. And um, I'm not going to start this off with either Bayonetta 1 or 2 because they're the well-known soundtracks. Instead, I'm going to go for something a bit more obscure. 
So this might not be a game that any of you have actually heard of, um, but there was a Bayonetta Apache slot release, which is basically like a sort of arcade gambling-y sort of game. Sort of like Pachinko, sort of not really. But there was a Bayonetta version released, and for some reason they made about five original tracks for this, like, gambling arcade game. You would have thought they would just reuse tracks from the game, but no, they actually made completely original tracks. And I'm playing you, I think I put two in total into the show? I can't remember, but I'm going to be playing you at least some of the tracks that this has to offer. And if I re if memory serves correctly, this pretty much serves as the main theme of the Apache slot. So, from the Bayonetta Apache slot game, this is Red and Black. You're listening to the Topical Resort right here on Radio Sega, and when we return, we'll be going over the history of Bayonetta. As for now, enjoy the music.
Up next, Request Resort. Send your request relating to the topic of the episode in a tweet to at Radio Sega or the Green Viper 8. Or send it in a Discord DM to Green Viper 8 through our Discord server at radiose.ga forward slash Discord. Hasty History. And yes, welcome back to the Topic Resort right here on Radio Sega. What you just heard there was from the original Bayonetta. That was Let's Hit the Climax, pretty much whatever plays whenever you go into the game's climax mode. And for that, from the patch slot version of Bayonetta, that was Red and Black, which pretty much serves the main theme. I say pretty much because I honestly don't really know, but that's the one everyone sort of tends to associate with that game. Yes, we are back, and as our lovely announcer said right there, it is time for the Hasty History segment, where we go over the history of something related to the topic something related to the topic of the episode as quickly as possible and today's the only thing that we could go over is obviously Bayonetta so let's get started Bayonetta was first released on October 29th 2009 in Japan with the with the release in other regions coming in 2010 development on the game actually started as early as 2007 um, and it was originally developed for the Xbox 360 in mind with Next Entertainment porting the game to the PS3 might I add, this was a company who, ne- who had never made a game for PS3 before, and thus the game became noted for being particularly buggy. Bayonetta's, character designs were b- Bayonetta's characters were designed to be stylish primarily, with Bayonetta herself taking an entire year to develop. Despite the game being set around Bayonetta, the developers actually found themselves fond of her rival, Jean, preferring her over Bayonetta. The game had shifted 1.35 million units before the end of 2010, making an overall success. And obviously, as we all know, a sequel exclusive to the Wii U was announced in 2012 and released in 2014. And a third game was announced at the Game Awards in December 2017. This is pretty much all there is in terms of Bayonetta history, or at least for the first game currently, because, you know, perhaps the first game will be ported to new consoles, because, you know, currently it was originally on the Xbox 360 and PS3, then it came to Wii U, and then it came to PC, and then it came to Switch very recently, so I think it would sort of make sense for it to come to more con- more consoles in the future. I-, I think that's just a logical decision, really, so if that happens, then obviously it can... I guess we'll have more history, but currently it's, it's quite short, but, you know, some nice tidbits in there, some nice trivia, although I'm sure our resident trivia expert, Electric Boogaloo, will have some sort of trivia on it, even if he currently isn't in the chat room, or at least the Radio Sega chat room. He is currently listening to us. But yes, um, I guess aside from that, we also had Iron 1980 join the chat in the meantime, and currently talking about films and um, <laughs> downloading them. And pretty much it. He did say earlier on that he should really play the first Bayonetta, which I agree with. He even had the opportunity to play the first Bayonetta, because if I remember correctly, you downloaded it for free on Xbox Live at some point. If so, like, it makes sense to probably play it, because... Okay, I guess I should go over my own history of Bayonetta as well. It, it's not a game that I'd really ever sort of would have considered myself into. Like, I've never liked action games at all. Never been my thing. And I wasn't really into it, but um, the first time it sort of like was on my radar was when Bayonetta 2 released on Wii U, because a lot of people were sort of—I say a lot of people—it was sort of create 
buzz was sort of being created by like a few people on Wii U who go in, oh my goodness, this looks awesome. It's nowhere near as like big as it is today, or nowhere near as big as it. It was nowhere near as big as it is today, but yeah, there was a few people like talking about it and thinking, oh, this is going to be good. It's, it was sort of on my radar, and I sort of saw footage of it, and I'm like, yeah, this seems okay. And I can't remember when it truly like first became it. Like something that I'd say, oh yeah, I need to check this out. But I think probably what helped influence that was the music, because when I came to Radio Sega itself, obviously there was a lot of love for the music. Like back a few years ago, everyone was sort of requesting the Fly Me to the Moon Climax mix and the main theme, Tomorrow's Mine. So there was obviously a lot of love for the soundtracks on Radio Sega, and that sort of got me into the soundtracks. I really liked them without even having to sort of play the games. So I think that was sort of like an influencing decision, but the thing that really sort of tipped me to actually want to play the games rather than just sort of like watch them and listen to the music was actually the Tokyo Game Show announcement, because I'd always meant to get into the games, like in fact a few months earlier I'd bought Bayonetta 2 on Wii U. I'd always sort of meant to get into them, but I just never really did. Like it was one of those things I went, uh, yeah I'll play that eventually, I'll play that eventually. And then that Tokyo Game Show announcement came and BAM! Suddenly I'm like, okay, I need to play this. So I downloaded the first game on Wii U and got got like really into it, beat it all in three days. And it was a very fun experience and that sort of like... That, that official announcement sort of like fueled the hype. Like I watched Bloody Fate and started and got a decent chunk into the game on the exact same day of the trailer releasing. So I think it was sort of that, that really sort of kickstarted my love for the series, which I'm, I'm sort of known for now, because I do tend to go on about it quite a lot, because it is a really fun game. Uh, the mechanics of it, the action gameplay is just in general really fun. I've tried other action games and I don't really like care for them. Like I think they're fun and nice, but it's not something I play long term. This just has like the perfect click of music and fun gameplay for me, which is crucial any game because they're not the most important things but there's certainly things which I think make the experience like just amazing like it enhances any good experience and also there's also the story which I find incredibly interesting in Bayonetta 1 and in the second game I'm like quite a bit of the way in but yes um, it, has, it definitely has to come down to that trailer for kickstarting my love and forcing me finally to do something that I said I was going to do for a long time. So to thank that and now thanks to that, started playing Bayonetta 2, not the Wii U version, that's just sort of sitting on the shelf now because now I have the Switch version and I have to say it is definitely superior from what I played. Like, I've seen sort of comparisons and I did play like a small bit of Bayonetta 2 on Wii U just to get like a taste for it before it came. And yeah, definitely looks a lot nicer. Controls a lot better thanks to the glorious, glorious Switch Pro controller. Seriously, it's such a nice controller. I like I like the Pro controller for the Wii U, but it has nothing on this one for playing this game whatsoever. Just like buttery smooth controls, really. Especially for Bayonetta, with a game where you're using the joysticks and mashing the buttons quite a lot, you need sort of like a solid controller. And yeah, so I've been playing. I've been playing the second one through on Switch. Much better experience than I would have had elsewhere, which is surprising considering how much smaller the Switch is than the Wii U. But still, I'm definitely glad they ported this over to the new platform because it did deserve a fresh pair of eyes and a fresh coat of paint. And it definitely has the coat of paint. And thanks to like the massive community Bayonetta now has, because it sort of shot off around December. Like suddenly everyone loved it around that point. 
thanks to that, this game has like probably shifted a ton of copies by now. That's not me being like pessimistic. I think that really has. I think it really has sort of shot off because I was checking like Twitter today and I've seen so many people have picked this up on Switch today. Like five, I'd say five or six. It's probably more than that, but that's what I can remember off the top of my head. Like people taking a picture with a box and going, "Oh my goodness, tomorrow is mine and stuff. Like, tomorrow is mine today, or whatever they want to say." Yeah, a lot of hype surrounding this game. A lot of people are finally buying it. That is a good thing. And on top of that, I think it's good value for money. The Switch version as well, because you can hear me opening it right now. You also get a free code for the original Bayonetta on Switch, and, that, and that's also the best port as well, aside from the PC version. Find new material like cardboard, Jamie. Haha, <laughs> that was a good joke. But yeah, the Switch version, aside from the PC version, is the definitive way to play the first game as well. Much better than the Wii U port, which was already the best version in my opinion, because the, the extra costumes and the extra stuff it added. But yes, in general, very good package. If you have a Switch, pick it up. And if you don't, buy a Switch and pick it up, because Sega need the money for this. Because if Bayonetta 3 does well, if this does well, we'll get a fourth entry. Though that's been enough waffling, it's it's time for the request resort. For those you don't know what the request resort is, it's where it's where you can get in your request relating to the topic of the episode. So in this case, you can play music relating to the Bayonetta franchise. So any of that, just send it to me in a DM. You can do that on Discord, radioc.gf4/discord. I'm Green Viper over there. Or the other place where people tend to do it a lot is Twitter at Radio Sega at Topical Resort at the Green Viper Eight. You've also got Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Radio Sega. You've got the email, topicalresort at gmail.com. Or you've got the Radio Sega forums. I am Green Viperate over there. Speaking of which, the Radio Sega forums, as always, has the Topical Resort request thread open. And a few of you have suggested a good few ideas, which I will, trust me, I will get round to, but just not this season quite yet. And uh, Jamie says, today I found out that technically Nintendo was involved in the PC version of Bayonetta. It's an interesting story, I guess. Go ahead and elaborate on that a bit so we can tell the chat this interesting story as to how Nintendo was involved in the PC gaming market. Yeah, that does tend to be the best port of Bayonetta because it's 4K 60fps, unlike the rest of them, which are 1080-60. So, I guess play that one if you have a really good PC. Otherwise, if you want the Nintendo costumes, play the Switch version. And uh, we actually have got quite a few requests in today. We got one from Electric Boogaloo. We got one from Resident Edgelord, Lost Impact. Got one from Jamie, and we got one from myself. But there's still room for plenty more if you want to throw one at me. You know, any of those places that I just mentioned, and you'll be able to send in your request, and it will be played on the show as long as as long as we have it on Radio Sega, or as long as you can provide me to a link for it, it will be on the air. Yes, as for now, I think we're going to get into some more music. We'll continue chatting in the Discord while the music plays. But we're going to kick things off with a request by Electric Boogaloo because he beat Jamie by quite a lot, quite a large margin this week. Jamie only requested at the end of the week versus Electric, who requested right after the end of last week's show. So from the original Bayonetta, of course he was going to request this because it's a classic Sega track. This is the infinite, infinite climax mix of Splash Wave right here on the Topical Resort. Request Resorts
lol, I actually forgot to skip this track. Let's do that. There we go, it's better. Which witch is the witch that you think you know? Bayon at his back and has a roll. She's riding with Satan and for mature. Turn into a frog and you holler at her. Cause it means just sucks, that's all I'm saying. So she heads home with the guns and blazing. The angels all duck, the straight out of luck. Cause Bayon at his back and she doesn't give a care. Lost in the lake, lights out with the hair play lame on the stage. She's hot in the night, body type is a 10. While your jaws on the floor, watch her hit you again. Really loving every little thing that she does. Got a torture attack. Heels packed some guns. Combo, it's over. She's on with her quest. Never mess with Bayonetta, cause she does it the best. She end there but yes that was the request resort block and welcome back to the topic resort right here on Radio Sega we just had that was from MC Lars that was Reaping Beauty and um, you may have heard me earlier say I need to skip this track that, that was sort of me suddenly coming on because I realized the queue had messed up for that track right there because what happened was the version of it I downloaded has like this ridiculously long like 20 second intro that I can't remember what it tells you about. It tells you about like something after that little like swoosh animation plays. It tells you about something like that. But yeah, I'd set up the queue on the track so that it skipped that. But for some reason, it ignored it when I actually played the track just now. So it played the intro. So I had to quickly try and skip it without anyone noticing. But yes, that, that's what happened. Uh, yes, before that, and that was requested by myself, by the way. Before that was. Uh, 
Actually, okay. Probably I should explain what that track was. So, um... Reaping Beauty was a track made to promote Bayonetta by a few people hired by Sega. So it was like a marketing stunt, sort of, but it was just like a YouTube rap from, like, three popular rap artists. That's pretty much all it was, but uh, I think it's quite an interesting track to highlight there, because it didn't really fit anywhere else into the show, so I thought it would work well in the request block. Before that was a request from Jamie64326, that was Bayonetta 2's Let's Dance Boys, second climax version, which is a remix of the original Let's Dance Boys from the first Bayonetta game. For that, from Bayonetta 2 as well, that was To the Cathedral of Cascades, as requested by Lost Impact. And for that, from the original Bayonetta, that was Splashwave Infinite Climax Mix, as requested by Electric Boogaloo. And now, officially, we are on to what I like to call the part where I just ramble, because that's all it is. <laughs> in the meantime, though, uh, Jamie actually explained why Nintendo were involved in the PC port of Bayonetta 1. He says that Platinum Games had to get permission from Bayonetta for the Japanese voice track of Bayonetta, as it was first used in the Wii U version, which Nintendo was involved in porting. Because, for those you don't know, originally in the Japanese version of Bayonetta, there wasn't a Japanese voice track. Because the whole point of the thing is it's supposed to be this like very English game. So they thought, oh yeah, we'll just use a uh, English voice track to make it like a bit more authentic. And then when the Wii U version came out, I assume it was probably Nintendo go, yeah, you need a Japanese voice track for this game. So they added that, and then they also added a Japanese voice track to Bayonetta 2, and I imagine the third one will have one as well, which is a shame, sort of, because the whole point was it was meant to be this very sort of English game, and now you're going to get like a bunch of weebs playing the game in Japanese. He's like, oh, the Japanese voice acting so much better. Yeah, but it, it removes you from the experience, because the whole thing about Bayonetta is, you know, all these British locations, these European locations, and the British accent. And these like very sort of British jokes and humour and sort of the banter tossed back and forth between characters. It's not the whole fun of it, so by playing it in Japanese, you're sort of losing that experience a bit. That's at least just my opinion. Oh, whoops. Okay, did I... Okay, good, I did repeat that. <laughs> I thought for a second I hadn't repeated the track and it would play the music that I had queued up next. And, uh, oh, Jamie's linked me to Kamias. This means I can't read this. Yeah, I'm not authorised to see this tweet. What a shock. <laughs> I guess I can read it through Discord. Uh, he says, Nintendo was kind enough to find a port of Bayonetta 1 for Wii U, and they even allowed us to use the Japanese voice track we created for the Wii U version in the PC version of Bayonetta 1 as well. So there we go. But I know it is time to get into the part where I just give my opinions on the games on the request resort list. So it's sort of like mini in-depth, or mini not really in-depth sort of reviews, if that makes any sense. So obviously the first place we would start is with the original Bayonetta, and I, I really adore this game. I quite like this one actually. Um, Bayonetta 1 I started off with on the Wii U version, I didn't play the 360 version, didn't play the PS3 version, or the PC version, but I instead found out about... Actually no, um, well, I already knew about the game, and I already knew about the 360 PS3 version, so I've sort of been meaning to pick them up. But when that Tokyo Game Show trailer came out, as I said, Actually, I keep saying Tokyo Game Show, it's not Tokyo Game Show, sorry, it's uh, the Game Awards. Because they both have the same acronym, it really confuses me. Yeah, the Game Awards, when that Game Awards trailer came out, um, it sort of made me a bit more interested in the game, so as I said, catapulted me to play it. So I downloaded the Wii U version because I thought, from what I'd heard, it was the best version because it has like the extra Nintendo costumes and it has like additional features and... I like the Pro Controller, and on top of that, I could just like buy it through the Wii U eShop, because I, I, I did purchase it. But uh, yeah, I can buy it through the EU eShop. EU eShop? Wii U eShop. 
and I didn't have to like wait for a copy to come through like Amazon or have to go to a local store to pick it up. I could just play it on the night. So that's what I did. I, I ended up purchasing the Wii U version of the eShop. And I really enjoyed it. I beat the game... Well, I started the game on a Friday night and I beat it around mon- Monday afternoon. I did play it quite... Um, I, I played like two or three chapters a day towards the end, but at the beginning I did play like quite a large chunk in one go. It's a really good game, really addictive. The uh, story is immersive, the gameplay is fun. The Sega references had me had me giddy at some points because I already knew about them, but it's still like playing is a whole different thing. Like the um, the motorbike sections where the afterburner theme was just like blasting in the background, so cool, like adrenaline pumping right there. But yeah, it in general Bayonetta one is a very good game. I'd highly recommend you pick it up, especially considering there's so many places you can get it now. And even though it was free on Xbox Live for a while, a few months back. Uh, maybe don't check out the PS3 port if you have a PS3 because that's supposed to be the worst version. Long load times, glitches, and all that sort of stuff. But if you have any other console, which you probably do to be fair because this is 2018, then definitely pick up those versions instead because it is well worth your time, well worth investing into. Bayonetta 2. Now, I can't fully speak for this game because I haven't beaten it. I'm currently at Chapter 5. Um, from what I've played so far, it's a very good game, but I don't think I like it as much as the first one. Still, like, an absolutely excellent game. Like, top-notch. Up there like, some of the greatest action games of all time. But it just doesn't leave the same impact for me as the first one. I think I think the thing that that comes down to, actually, is one reason which I sussed fairly early on. Which is, they feel the need to make enemies massive just for the sake of making them massive. Like, oh, we've got a much bigger budget this game. Let's make every enemy, like, huge. Which, the original game, like, you would just have, like... Uh, hordes of enemies, so like you'd have multiple in one place compared to just like one massive enemy. If you sort of get what I'm saying, so th- I, I actually sort of prefer that because I just feel like they make like massive enemies to show off. Look how much money we have. Look, look how grand the scale of this game is. Whereas I feel the first one, you know, I just preferred like sort of the bit more like Dynasty Warriors type gameplay where you just took them out all in one go versus taking out like one like massive angel thing and you just slowly chip away at its health bar. It was a lot more rewarding to kill tons of them in one go personally but it's still a fun game. Great game in fact. The story once again is very intriguing as always. I'm excited to see what unfolds in the plot. And uh, Jamie asked what did I do to, to get Kamaya to block me? Um, Actually I said I I sent him a message saying I enjoyed the wonderful 101 about three years ago, and uh, actually no, it's 2014, so it would have been four years ago now. Wow, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Yeah, so I sent him a message saying that I enjoyed the wonderful 101, and uh, he blocked me, because I can't remember why, I could probably find the tweet, but yeah, he blocked me for giving him a compliment. Such a nice man. Um, okay, I didn't really need to see that, that's a different server, not the RS one, but still. Um... There's currently a conversation about about Chinese. What language am I speaking? I'm currently speaking English. I don't know if you can tell. But yes, I'm speaking English. Hello, welcome to the Topical Resort. This is the Spanish-speaking episode, for those of you who are curious. Um, aside from that, we obviously have Bayonetta, Bloody Fate, which is the OVA anime movie directed in... Uh, anime movie, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you are. Directed in Japan and released in Japan. So with that, the original dialogue was actually all recorded in Japanese, not in English, 
which is really weird because, as I said, the whole thing of Bayonetta is it's sort of like the accents and the jokes and everything's very British. So having a Japanese dub, which sort of loses all that, was very odd, in my opinion. Yeah, like all the locations from the game there, it looks absolutely gorgeous as well. Like the art style is amazing. Just like <laughs> at some points when I was watching it, like the jaw was just like on the floor. It just looked incredible. Some of the parts of that movie, like the action, the action parts in particular, like the parts where it was sort of going slow. You know, that also looked very good. The art style was great there, but like when there was action, so much going on, on the screen, like everything just like flowed perfectly. It was. Like, gorgeous to watch, like, really good stuff. I'd highly recommend you check out Bayonetta Bloody Fate. The only review of it that's on IMDb is actually quite negative because the person didn't actually have any experience with the game and so the story was quite bland. But if you play the game, at, or if you're a fan of the games and you play the game and you get into the story that way, then you come back to the film absolutely fantastic and I'd recommend. Definitely. If you're not a fan of the games, obviously don't check it out because you're just not going to get anything out of it. But Bayonetta Bloody Fate, incredible film, incredible music, incredible visuals. Check it out. And as for the other one, the only other game is the Bayonetta Patchy Slot. Or Patchy Slot, yeah. Uh, I'll go with that. I don't actually know too much about it, to be honest. It's it's mysterious. Uh -huh, mysterious Destiny. Uh -huh. Yes, but I don't know too much about it. I guess if you like Pachinko, which if you do, might be something wrong with you. Considering how many machines of it are released nowadays, you must have got sick of it at this point if you still like it. But yeah, it's probably a good pachinko, paching slot gate, or patchy slot, patchy slot, whatever. It's probably good, but you know, not my cup of tea, and obviously I haven't seen any footage of it, so I can't really comment on it. But uh, yeah, if you have any opinions on those games, let me know down in the comments. Down in the comments isn't YouTube. Let me know on uh, Twitter or on Discord. I've already given out the link through them, and I'll be sure to read out your opinions because I know there's some people in here who absolutely adore these games. Like Jamie, he adores the first game. And uh, Jamie says, "Yeah, it was, he's correct. It was the first. Um, Bloody Fate was the first to have an all Japanese cast." Yes. Um, with that. I guess we should probably go on to some more music. I know, I know, I'm sort of keeping these talk beds short tonight, but that's because I don't have like tons of stuff to say, really. But you know, we we want to keep this going anyway because it's a great show. Topical results a great show, obviously, but you know, there's no point of just like rambling on for 30 minutes with nothing to say for the sake of it. You know, keep it short and sweet, and that way we can save more time for the call-in because we all know you want to talk about. We all want to talk about Nintendo Cardboard for the, for the sixth time. But uh, as for now, we're going to go into something from the original Bayonetta, which isn't, which isn't a climax mix or a vocal theme. It's just a normal, relaxed track. So for this one, I'd say grab a beverage, maybe grab a bite to eat, because from the original Bayonetta, this is the Gates of Hell, right here on Radio Sega.
Faces. Ah, welcome back to the Top Resort after an incredibly long track, which I actually had to cut short because that was only halfway through and it was going on way too long. From Bayonetta 2, that was Moon River, the Infinite Climax mix, and that track is awesome. Obviously a remix of the well-known Moon River track. It's not even a video game track, it's just a general day-to-day real-life track. But yeah, no, it's a... um. It's a track that's more so like commonly associated with most of the 50s, 60s sort of time, I guess. I know um, the other the other track, which is well known for being remixed in the Bayonetta series, "Fly Me to the Moon," is like obviously a very well known 50s track. But I think it's around then, but it sort of became popular later. Um, before that was a track from the original Bayonetta. That was "The Gates of Hell," a very jazzy, cozy track. I think we do have to say so. But uh, now it's time for the Topical Thesis, and today we're actually going to do things a little bit differently on the Topical Thesis. Normally, as you know, I give my three points or my three points against, and I come to a justified conclusion based on my six points. But um, today I thought I'd do something a bit interesting, because, as you know, we have actually done this episode before here on the Topical Resort. It wasn't like Jet Set Radio where we'd covered it on the Dreamcast album on here, but this is the first time where we covered a show twice on the Topical Resort. Meaning that there's already been a Topical Thesis on on Bayonetta. And I think it's quite funny to look back at this one because as you'll see in a second, it's a very good it's a very good uh, argument, but hindsight makes us laugh a bit at this one. Even though it was less than a year ago, we can still sit back and laugh in our chairs. So today we're going to be revisiting a old thesis, looking at the points that were made, and looking at the conclusion and weighing it up against what actually happened. But today's topical thesis that we're going to be revisiting is one that, Sto- one that Scottnet came up with, which is, should Bayonetta 3 be made? Now hindsight is oh so lovely on this one. Because as you as you already know, um, Bayonetta 3 was announced in December 2017. So Bayonetta 3 is being made. So with that in mind, let's take a look at why Scottnik said that Bayonetta 3 should and shouldn't be made. So his first point four was it will continue the story of Bayonetta. You know, Bayonetta is a very story-heavy, rich game in terms of you know the writing. So. By having a third game, you'd obviously continue on that plot, but as he mentioned as well, maybe a bit difficult if you know what the ending of the second game was, to continue on from there. But maybe it'll be like disconnected, but still, it'll be in the Bayonetta universe and it'll be continuing on that general sort of line of stories. He also made the point of more could be added to the gameplay, you know, you could add extra mechanics to the gameplay, you could change up some stuff. Yeah, there's plenty of different options. Uh Okay, good, I looked that just in time. Yeah, there's uh, plenty of options for what you could actually do with gameplay in Bayonetta, or at least new types of gameplay, so that's a good point for it in that it could actually be changed and perhaps improved in some places compared to the first two games. And is is third point, I sense it was a bit of a filler point, I sense he couldn't think of third point, but uh, his third point was why wouldn't you want more Bayonetta? Which is a very good point, because we all do want more, but... I sent it to Philip went because um, t- there's not really much else you can say about it. You know, we all love, at least here, if you listen to the show, you probably love Bayonetta. Whoops. Yeah, you probably love the series. So, if you love the series, why wouldn't you want extra? Why wouldn't you want, you know, some 
you know, please sir, can I have some more? Something along with that lines, you know, with the Bayonetta series. So, his third point, why wouldn't you want more Bayonetta? Perhaps very valid, we don't know. But uh, as always, if there's positives, there must also be negatives to balance it out. And in this case, Scottnik came up with three negative points against why Bayonetta 3 shouldn't be made. He said that not many people might be able to play it, because if you remember, Bayonetta 2 was a Wii U exclusive, and it didn't sell very well because of the Wii U. Now, at the time he made this, the Switch was very new. It had only come out, it only been out for less than a month. And no one really knew what, how the Switch was going to perform. It sort of looked like it was going to be a bit flaky. No one knew if it was going to catch on amongst the general public. Obviously, once again, to hindsight, we know incredibly successful. It's already outsold the Wii U in less than a year, and the Wii U had four years. In fact, no, the Wii U had the Wii U had five years actually, because it was discontinued in January 2017. But yes, um, the Wii didn't sell well, Bayonetta 2 didn't sell well, and his fear was that if Bayonetta 3 was made for the Switch, it wouldn't sell well because there wouldn't be an install base to play it. But obviously, looking back at this one with hindsight, we know the Switch has an incredibly massive install base, and if the port of Bayonetta 2 to Switch has anything to go by, we know there's quite a big fan base who will be picking up the game. So perhaps that's less of an issue, but back then that was a very valid point to make. Um... Another point he actually made was, do we really need one? Which is true, because, you know, Bayonetta 1 and 2 were pretty much perfect. The story was sort of perfectly rounded off as well. So if we know that, then do we really need a third one? Is it really necessary, or is it just there for the sake of selling units? You know, is their integrity gone if they're making a fourth game? Or a third or a fourth game? Because it was revealed today that Kamaya already has ideas for a fourth game. This man is unstoppable. He's basically the Yu Suzuki of the modern day, you know, Yu Suzuki had ideas for nine different Shenmue games, and so far, well, he's in the process of making a third, as we know. But yes, um, with that in mind, is it just a bit sellouty? Is it just a bit cash grabby to make a third one when everything was rounded off so perfectly? And the third point that he made against Bayonetta 3 being made is that they could mess up the game. You know, there is a very likely opportunity, not very likely, but there is a sort of, you know, I guess a chance, yeah, a chance. They could mess up Bayonetta 3 that perhaps, you know, it's glitchy, unplayable, the story's bad or something along those lines. They mess it up and they may destroy the reputation of the franchise. So, with that in mind, would you really want a third one if it would risk the reputation of the first two? Because it's like the Sonic 06 effect, he described it as. The, the gaming, like, press loved Sonic the Hedgehog up to that point. Like, you know, they didn't like Heroes or Shadow, but they still loved Sonic the Hedgehog. And then Sonic 06 came out and he sort of became the laughing stock and, you know, all those like articles like, Sonic the Hedgehog was never good started to come out. Which obviously, you know, now still continues because you still get those sort of articles like, eh, Sonic was never good, the Daily Mail says, who IGN, uh, yes, so even Sonic 2, the best game, wasn't, wasn't good at all, Mario was better. Nah, 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 nah. You get that sort of thing, would you want that with Bayonetta? But just because one game was bad, suddenly the entire reputation of the franchise from the general public has just like skyrocketed oppositely. You know, it skyrocketed upwards with the release of the Switch version of Bayonetta 2. Could that all come crashing back down if the third game was bad? Could that empire be gone? I'll leave that one up to you, but let's see what he said as his conclusion. 
He said that in overall he was happy with there only being two games in the franchise, but if a third game was made, and it was amazing, it'd be good, otherwise two would be just fine. So in conclusion, pretty much, he said he's happy with two games, but a good third game would be excellent, but not necessary. So with that in mind, that was Scott Neck's thesis on should Bayonetta 3 be made, and overall he thinks Bayonetta 3 should be made, but if it wasn't, it'd be fine. So obviously a very positive outlook, and now we can look back on that on hindsight and think, that's good, because Bayonetta 3 is currently being made. So, excellent stuff. Let's see what you guys had to say in the chat room. Uh, Jamie's correcting me, he says, okay, um, Moon River was sung by Audrey Hepburn for the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, released in 1961. There we go. And, um... Jamie says, then how can you tell if a game is going to be rubbish until it's released? You can't, but um, what if it ro was rubbish? That's sort of the whole point. If it was bad, would it tarnish the whole reputation? <laughs> yeah, Aya pretty much makes the point, which I didn't want to see happen. He says, Bayonet comes out every year. It's the new FIFA. It's sort of the issue. Like, you don't want it to become the new Sonic or the new FIFA, where it just releases every year and gets a bit stale. You want it to be every, like, couple of years or so, or... You know, once every blue moon, ha, moon, ha. But, yeah, you just don't really want it to be that frequent, because otherwise it would sort of tarnish the reputation and also just, in general, make people a bit sick of it. But, yes, that's what Scottnik had to say on Bayonetta 3. But as for now, I think we should move on to small music. So, we've got two tracks right now. We got a track which you obviously expected to see because it's the well-known track from the original Bayonetta. And after that, we've got... We got a remix of Afterburner, of course, but um, it may not be the one you're thinking of. So I'll leave you to uh, think about which one it is and maybe post what you think in the chat. That's for now. Let's get on with some music. So, from the original Bayonetta, this is the climax mix of Fly Me to the Moon.
missed an episode and want to catch up? Want to re-educate yourself on the topic of a previous show? Download our podcast from the Radio Sega Media section. Subscribe to us on iTunes or stream the show through Stitcher. Discord Call-In And once again, welcome back to the Topical Resort right here on Radio Sega. And today we're discussing, obviously, the Bayonetta franchise once again, because we've done it once, or Dr. Scott Nick did it once. What you just heard there was from the patchy slot version of Bayonetta. That was Afterburner Arrange. Now, I did a little tease at the beginning of, or just before I played that track, because I said, it's I'm going to play a remix of Afterburner, but it may not be the one you're thinking of. And uh, as expected, uh, the bait worked, because most people thought it would be the Bloody Fate version, which is sort of the well-known version on RS. Everyone loves that track, the amazing Bloody Fate version. But I instead um, did a bit of a bait and switch. I said that incredibly, by the way. Yeah, but I did a bit of a bait and switch in that I actually found out that there's an Afterburner arranged track in the Patchy Slot version, which is also awesome, because I, I love the... <laughs> yeah, that sounded a bit weird, but whatever. I really enjoyed that version, which is why I had to play it for you there, instead of the one which you were all expecting. For that, from the original Bayonetta, that was the track which also obviously had to be played. That was the Fly Me To The Moon Climax Mix. And um, in case you missed it earlier, the talkpads we were using for the past four... For the past four talking... Talking segments? I can't even think of the name now. The past four, like, um, beds we've been using. Um, who that? The Sergei tracks Bayonetta Mysterious Destiny. So, a remix of Mysterious Destiny done by Sergei was used for the talk bit, but now. I apologise, uh, now it's time for the top. No, it's not. It's time for the Discord call in. And for those you don't know what that is, it's where you can call into the show and have your say on the topic of the episode. And uh, all you need to do is join radiosc.gf forward slash Discord, jump into the chill out, and from there you have a chance of being on the show. And uh, as usual, we got, we got our normal sort of regulars in the chill out. But, uh. Based on these two people who are in the chill-out, I think I'm going to go with one who I personally think will know more about Bayonetta, and I'll save the other one for next week. Because next week's off-topic and they can ramble on about whatever the hell they want. But as for now, let's drag in you. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Been a long time? Yes, it has been a long time. Uh, That wasn't intended, but I I initially intended you to be on the show anyway, but that meant cutting corners and putting other people on before you. But how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. It is good. So, uh, what would you like to talk about today in sort of relation to the franchise? What I want to talk about is the whole Bayonetta 2 uh, Wii U announcement backlash. Sure, go right ahead. So, when Bayonetta 2 got um, announced, uh, when was it? 2011, wasn't it? Uh, 2012. Yeah, uh, there was a huge backlash uh, from the fan base that Bayonetta 2 was going to be a, a Wii U exclusive and that there was uh, loads of people uh, threatening to kill themselves over the fact that it was with Nintendo and saying that it shouldn't be on Nintendo, it should be with PlayStation and uh, Xbox. I mean, it, the, the reaction was a bit extreme, but I wouldn't put it past um, that sort of crowd to go, I don't like Nintendo, I want to play it on my, on my Xbox. Uh, some people. But what they should have realised at the time was that the situation Bayonetta as an IP uh, situation was in, that Sega initially funded it, but then 
uh, having issues themselves, couldn't fund it, Platinum going elsewhere and then eventually finding Nintendo to fund the project which they were happy to collaborate with. Yeah, I think, but I, I think it was actually great the way that Bayonetta 2 turned out because considering like it could have been a lot worse because it was with Nintendo, it really sort of fell into the right hands, I guess. So those people should just stop complaining because it, it wouldn't have been made at all. And to be honest, Nintendo actually making it didn't really affect anything, just the console that it was on. Yeah, it's like uh, when they uh, d- when uh, Nintendo helped Platinum and Sega port Bayonetta to the uh, Wii U, there was the uh, costumes, which uh, was it? Uh, Platinum wanted to turn down the costumes, but Nintendo said to keep the costumes as uh, as like revealing as possible because it would it suits more Bayonetta as a character. Exactly, like the example you gave me. Um... On, I believe it was on the Prezort, was the uh, Peach costume in particular. So go ahead and like, elaborate on that a bit. No, it was the uh, Zelda costume, uh, Link costume. Oh, that was it, yeah, Link costume, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so what it is with the Link costume, initially Link, he has uh, an undergarment, like uh, pants, a vest or something underneath his green tunic, but uh, what they initially did with Bayonetta was... Uh, basically cut cut a bit of that out and uh, made Bayonetta show a bit more cleavage, which I think it was Camille who said uh, to change it back to how it was because of the wanted to be uh, keep keep it on good terms, especially with Nintendo's IPs, but with Nintendo Japan basically saying, like, put it back to what it was. It doesn't look... It's not Bayonetta without it being a, a flirtatious self... Yeah, that, I think that's very true, and actually, that, that's sort of like the best possible scenario, to be honest, because it, especially Nintendo Japan, then again, they're not normally the ones who have censorship issues, but they're the ones who are very sort of protective over their license. They could have yeah. been a lot more protective than they were, but they were like, oh, "Yeah, we we contracted you to make this game, so we want you to make it the way you like. We're not going to interfere with you," which I think is really good. More more like um, companies should have that ethic. Yeah, and then what was it with Bayonetta 3 that sort of backlash happened again yeah well it was inevitable considering once again it was Nintendo exclusive yeah but I think how I see it now is uh, as long as Nintendo sees Bayonetta as a profitable, profitable uh, franchise I think they're going to constantly uh, give Sega Platinum the money to keep it with them it is true like it is it was pretty profitable profitable when uh, Bayonetta 2 came out but obviously that didn't sell well but as I was saying earlier Bayonetta 2 on Switch has just been like flying off the shelves from what I've seen tons of people have bought it and everyone who hasn't has gone oh, oh I'm clambering over myself I need to get Bayonetta 2 immediately like I'm going to order it right now and stuff and I'm just like yes finally it finally caught on with the general masses it only took like almost 10 years but Bayonetta is like finally massively popular it should have been like that in the first place yeah, it just makes me think what's going to happen after the third step, uh, third game. Is it uh, going to do a fourth one? Is Nintendo going to be involved? Is Sega going to just stop the franchise as it is? Who knows? Because uh, the other thing to consider is that Sega still actually does own the license because the common misconception is mm-hmm, Sega gave completely a license to Nintendo or you know, they gave them all the rights to Bayonetta 2. No, Nintendo only has shared rights to Bayonetta 2. Sega still has some rights to it, so that's not 
entirely true that Nintendo owns it. So, like, all the Nintendo fanboys who go, yeah, we own Bayonetta now, go away, Sega fans. It's like, nah, it's not true because they still own Bayonetta 2 and technically now Bayonetta 3, partly. So, Nintendo doesn't completely own it. Well, uh, was it? I don't, was it? Uh, Sega Alex, I thought it was uh, Sega owns the IP and the trademark of Bayonetta, but Nintendo owns the copyright of the second game and the third game. No, it was confirmed by uh, Kamaya on Twitter as well that they that Nintendo and Sega collectively own Bayonetta two and three, so it's like half and half. Actually, no, technically it's thirded. But, you know, it's in the third because Platinum's also in there as well. Platinum isn't in there because Platinum don't earn it. No, but I think they have like part of the um, part of the license still. No, like, like like Platinum said, they're only contractors. If it, if say Sony told them to make a game, then it'd be fully owned by Sony. Like, uh, was it Scalebound and uh, Microsoft? Yeah, that's true. I guess, but they're only contractors. If uh, they don't own any of their games, to my knowledge so far, it's been either Sega, Nintendo, or Microsoft or whoever contractors them. They own it. But yeah, either way, still Nintendo does. Nintendo doesn't fully own the license to the second and third game, so that sort of argument of yeah, we we're gonna fully have Bayonetta now. Nintendo fans own Bayonetta. Go away, Sega. Not entirely but then, true. No, but then then so-called fans can still forget the idea of it going to other platforms because that will be down to Nintendo still. And then other fans will complain that it's not coming to their platform. I hate you, Nintendo. I'm going to emulate the Switch version because I I don't I don't want to have to play Bayonetta three on the Switch. I want to play it on my PC. Yeah, the amount of time I've actually seen fans say that, oh, I want to play the second game, but I'll just emulate it, which itself really, depending if to back it up, is pirating the game as it is. It's not even that as well. It's just like you're that entitled that you're. You're gonna emulate the game instead of just like actually just buying a Wii U. It's not like normally I'm I'm like a okay of emulation. I don't really care that much. But it's like, wow, you're that desperate to play it on PC that you're just gonna, you know. But most people by now, or quite a lot of people, have a Switch, and Wii U's aren't that expensive. But it's just like, wow, you're that salty that you're specifically gonna go out your way to like get an incredibly hard setup emulated just so you can emulate it. Instead of buying an official release because you want the PC version, wow, you're 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 a cool individual. And then depending on the setup, it'll probably be cheaper just to buy the Wii U and the game. Exactly because the thing is, they probably spent like because you have to have a pretty uh, powerful PC to run uh, CMU, if I remember correctly. So they probably spent quite a lot on their PC, so um, they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna spend tons of time setting up. The, the PC emulator for the Wii U so I don't have to buy a Wii U because I don't want to support Nintendo. Uh, it's just that argument's stupid, like, oh, I'm gonna... Because there is a Switch emulator already out. It's very bad, but it's still out there. A lot of people are going, brilliant, I'm gonna use this to play Bayonetta 3 because Nintendo don't deserve my money for that game. I want to play it on the PC Master Race, bro. That argument's well, ignorant. But it's still funny that even in even with Sega's full involvement with the first game, it's still uh, funny to find out that Nintendo some, somewhat has involvement with the PC part. Yeah, thanks to that uh, vocal track, which was added to the Nintendo version. Remember, didn't you say that was um, Nintendo suggested that that should be in there rather than Platinum adding that? Uh, no, what it is, uh, with, with the PC version of... Uh, 
Bayonetta, the one that's obviously been one of the definitive editions, and obviously that involves the uh, Japanese voice track, but I think it's Nintendo that earns the Japanese voice track to Bayonetta, which, of course, they needed their permission to bring over to the PC. Okay, so that, that sort of makes sense. It's just with Nintendo's... Uh, Nintendo was like uh, also heavily involved in the part of Bayonetta 1, which involves practically everything that is on the Nintendo version of the game. Yeah, like, the, the ported version is actually the best version of Bayonetta 1. Because, like, you have the costumes, but I believe you also have a few extras, but those costumes are, are so fun to play. It's like they completely change the game, in terms of gameplay, at least. And then the other thing with Bayonetta was the, uh, was, uh, she was the last uh, third-party character to be announced in Super Smash Bros. Uh, for... 3DS and Wii U. And the last character actually being announced in general. Yeah. Last third party, last Sega, last character to be announced for Smash Bros. Because she's the final piece of DLC, if I remember correctly. And she was actually voted in by the fans. She was the most voted character in like a Smash poll to say which character you'd like to see. Yeah, I think when I voted on that, I think I voted for her myself. If I remember correctly, I voted for Tails originally. Because I didn't know the, I thought there was only like a few options. I didn't realize you could literally vote for anyone. So like the first thing I saw when I woke up was like a um, oh vote for Tails in this thing. And I was like okay, so surely Tails must be one of the only things you can vote for. No, apparently I found out you can vote for anything. In which case, um, I pretty much just wasted a vote there when I could have voted for someone like Bayonetta. You could have voted for a better character than just Tails. Yeah, but to be to be honest though, like um, that even that was that was. Almost always used as a meme, or people put stupid characters in. Because like, apparently, um, SpongeBob and Goku were some of the top-rated characters in that poll, which I find incredibly funny—the fact that someone wants Smash Bros. of Goku in it. I don't know. That's more logical than having SpongeBob SquarePants. That's true. That was the very odd one that I was trying to avoid. Who? Why was that so highly voted? Because apparently, that was fairly high up the poll. Why did so many people want Spongebob in Smash Bros? It's such an odd choice. For the lols. <laughs> it's true, but at the same time I feel like it was also probably kids as well, but there was probably a lot of lols going on there. Yeah. They'll say that's the weird thing, was it? Uh, Smash was rated, what, E10 in America, and they've managed to get Bayonetta to go well in the game. Uh, that's that's very odd, and the, the other odd thing as well is that... Um, in the past, they've actually had to remove all references to sort of mature games. Like, for example, the Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, the original, they had to remove um, House of the Dead from the game and instead refer to it as Curian Mansion because even just mentioning House of the Dead would instantly bump up the game rating. So I'm not really sure how they got around that with Smash for Wii U because it, mentioning Bayonetta, in theory, should have done the exact same thing, but it somehow doesn't. By mentioning an obscure game... It didn't bring up the obscure oh, by mentioning a mature game. It didn't bring up the rating somehow. Yeah, especially when she does a uh, uses her abilities, which we all know what happens in the games. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's not elaborate on that one. But yes, um, her abilities are interesting, but somehow they're deemed appropriate for Smash. Uh, I don't get this. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, anyway, I was going to say, Jamie, wait, did you have something to say that quickly? No. Okay, so I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on the show, Jamie. Is there like, any final things you'd like to say before I drag you back to the chill out? Not really. <laughs> You're not even going to do the usual you suck or anything? 
Nah, I've got, I'm bored of that now. Yeah, see, so you, you get bored of jokes. Uh, <coughs> I know. Um, but yes. Yeah, cab, cab on. <coughs> I'm sorry, cab on. <coughs> Uh, you going to knock? <clears throat> yes, but uh, I- enough of the roasting. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Jamie, and uh, have a good one. You too. Bye bye. And that was Jamie, and that was a Discord call in, and now it is time for the Toppy Mix. And for those who don't know who what the Toppy Mix is, so I take a Sega track not related to the topic of the episode, a remix related to the topic of the episode, a non Sega track not related to the topic of the episode. Now these are all sort of semi related. Because the first track is a sort of jazzy track, which has a, has a bit of a Bayonetta vibe to it, but except it was released before Bayonetta, so it doesn't really, but still, I put it there anyway. And then a remix, obviously, it's going to be a remix of a Bayonetta track. And then the non-Sega track is going to be a remix. Actually, no, it's not. It's going to be a track which is related to the topic of the episode. I lied. But it wasn't one that fit in anywhere else, because it's not technically from the game, but it was made for the game it's not in the game if that makes sense and it wasn't made by like an in-house studio it was made by an outsourced company so technically it doesn't count for the episode and it's not a Sega track so it's a non-Sega track so we're going to be playing that but as for now we'll get into the toppy mix and when we're back we'll see you with the final segment of the show but as for now enjoy the music Let's get scratching. The Toppy Mix.
For one last time, welcome back to the Zobka Resort right here on Radio Sega. We just heard that was a track by Mackie? Machi? Ma- I'm gonna say Mackie. That was something missing. Um, that might have sounded like a bit of a just sort of like generic sort of J-poppy song, and you're partly correct. But um, that was actually made for Bayonetta. It was made for the Japanese trailer. Not trailer. It was made for the Japanese commercials, and it was obviously cut up into chunks and used in the commercials. Over here in the uh, US and UK, we got just some like generic pop song. I can actually remember it quite vividly, but I can't actually remember the name of it sadly. But as soon as I saw it on the Wikipedia page that that was the use of the commercial song, I'm like, oh, I remember that song quite well. But yeah, um. I quite like that track, but um, since it wasn't in the game and it wasn't technically made by Sega, it was just commissioned by them, it didn't really qualify for anywhere else in the show. But yes, um, I played it there in the non-Sega track block. Before that was a track or a remix by Shady Cicada? I'm going to say Cicada, actually. That was the rock cover of One of a Kind. That was a banging tune right there, you know. Get down with that and all. 
And before that was a track from Sonic Adventure 2 that sounded a bit jazzy, so I put it in that block. That's bright sound for Dry Lagoon. But, as all things do, this show has now come to an end. We're now at 9 o'clock and up next is Sega Mix Drive with Rexy playing you two hours, or normally more than two hours, of the best Sega music and best Sega remixes, obviously, because that's what it's about. It's not about Sega music, it's about Sega remixes. Duh. You'd guess that from the name. But yes, as for now, um, I've been Green Vaporate. You will have been awesome. Let's just see what you have had to say in the chat. Uh, apparently, Uganda Knuckles has made it into the chill out. Um, interesting. Um, not not a meme. No. No, why is this meme still a thing? Let, let's end it while we still can. So yes, thank you so much for tuning in. I've been Green Vaporate. You have been I. You've been Brass Saturday. You've been Jamie. You've been Shaddix. You've been Doom Girl. You've been Lost Impact. And I believe there was a few more people earlier. Earlier, you've been DJ Jam and Jay, aka Saganut. You have been a few other people. If I missed you, John the VG Nerd, he was here as well. But yeah, if I missed any of you, be sure to let me know. But as for now, I sure I'm sure you want to know what's coming up next week. Well, uh, in case in case you can't use a calendar for some reason, you would know that next week is the last Friday of the month. So that makes it an off-topic episode, meaning any music you want can be requested. We'll talk about anything on the call-in you want to. Now, all of that to be able to go for right there. Yes, I did just steal a Rexy quote. Um, I, I've sort of I've sort of been hinting that the end of the season's coming up soon, and let's just say. That's going to be the last off-topic episode of the season. And that's not going to be the last episode of the season, but the last off-topic episode. So uh, definitely, you know, get sort of get sort of prepared for that. You know, get your, get your tissues and all that stuff. But we're still going to be here for quite a while more yet. But, yeah, with that in mind, that you've got that to look forward to next week. And you've got plenty of other Radio Sega Live shows to listen to in the meantime. But as for now... I've been Green Vaporate, and you all have been awesome. We're going to end this off with a track from the original Bayonetta. We played a remix of it earlier, but we're going to play the original Jazzy as Hell version. It's from the original Bayonetta. This is Let's Dance, boys. I've been Green Vaporate. This has been the Topical Resort. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay topical.
Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.